You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, friends? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Billy Rossetti with you guys here on Football Eve here in the NFL as tomorrow night is finally the big day. Tomorrow, it all kicks off with the Houston Texans and the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, who, of course, the Panthers will see in Week 9. Uh, good show today. Great show. We got Josh Klein of the Riot Report jumping back on the pod. Uh, almost feeling like the veteran of the group now. Got him in a couple of times. Really excited to... Uh, get him back on. Always great to talk to him. We just talked a little bit about the the Panthers roster, you know how they kind of got to fifty three, some surprising moves, and then uh, just some talk on Sunday. You know what what we think can happen on Sunday, and just kind of some uh, general thoughts for the team on the season. Uh, but before we get into that, quick uh, a little quick note here: the Panthers did fill out their practice squad on Tuesday as. They officially announced the addition of Clay Johnston, the former Rams linebacker, and of course another Baylor product with Matt Rule. Brought him in on the practice squad. Of course, the Panthers had to wait to officially announce it because, of course, he's you know traveling from LA and then coming to Carolina. Of course, he had to clear all the the COVID testing. That's why the Panthers were able to announce their other signings so quick because they were already on the team, so they had obviously already. Uh, Cleared the COVID protocols with Carolina, so they didn't have to do it again. But Clay Johnston coming in from a new team, he had to go through the Panthers protocols. He did that, and now he's officially in, and that means the Panthers have their 16 practice squad players all set now for week one. And those players are uh, Reggie Bonifant, and including, of course, the four uh, protected players. Again, each week... The Panthers and you know the other NFL teams can select four practice squad players to protect, meaning uh, another team. And you can't do this until uh, 4 o'clock on Tuesday. But once that time comes, you can pick your four players that you can prevent other teams from plucking off your practice squad. And those four players for the Panthers, at least for week one, are Reggie Bonifin, Natrell Jamerson, Matt Kasky, and Kyer Vedvik. So at least keeping that... Uh, kicker, uh, the kicker competition there, and then you know an extra offensive lineman, especially with uh, and uh, Josh Klein and I talk mentioned this a little bit too during our talk. You know Matt Kasky, uh, a good candidate to protect because the Panthers are already having issues now on the offensive line with Dennis Daly being a bit banged up, and you know we're not sure now if he's going to play on Sunday, and then uh, Natrell Jamerson, an extra DB. You know, especially with the the kind of issues they've been having at that position as well, and then Reggie Bonifin. Obviously, they've uh, the Panthers as an organization have liked Bonifin the last couple of years, and even this new coaching staff at least keeping them on. So those four are the protected players, and then the rest of the practice squad now, of course, wide receiver Marquand Michelle, uh, wide receiver Ishmael Hyman, tight end Giovanni Ricci. Center, Sam Tecklenburg, another guy we talked about that uh, could have potentially been protected. 
uh, guard Mike Horton, linebacker Chris Orr, uh, D-end Austin Larkin, defensive tackle Bruce Hector, defensive tackle Woodrow Hamilton, defensive lineman Miles Adams, safety Kenny Robinson, and of course linebacker Clay Johnston. So those are the 16 players as of right now that are on the practice squad. And again, it's Bonifin, Jamerson, uh, Kasky, and Vedvik are the four players that the Panthers decided to protect from other teams plucking off their practice squad. Obviously, all that can change you know, after the game, and we'll see if the Panthers decide to use those two extra, uh, two extra spots that you can bring up uh, for game day to make your roster 55. And again, one of those has to be an extra offensive lineman. So you imagine... If they go that route, then Kasky will probably be the guy that gets the call up, and then maybe uh, Natrell Jamerson could be the other one. We'll see uh, what they do with those two extra spots. But that's where things stand now with the practice squad, and Wednesday we're going to have practice. And uh, tomorrow, well, tomorrow we'll have the crossover, and then Friday we'll get into uh, what practices have looked like so far, and then... Uh, really kind of get some final thoughts on Sunday's game. It's just, again, it's just exciting that we have a game. We're in the middle of a game week. Uh, didn't think it would get here, but it is here. And speaking of game weeks and uh, watching all the football you can, you can do that with our friends over at NFL Game Pass this season. Get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place that you can relive and replay uh, every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. And a shout-out to our friends, also being sponsored by our friends at BuiltBar.com. The improved Built Bar is even delicious-er with 18 amazing flavors, including six brand-new ones in caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, along with a lot of the original flavors that you know and love. And their bars, of course, are covered in 100% chocolate and they are soft and easy to choose and they're great for the health conscious guy so lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat these bars are low in calorie low in sugar high in protein high in fiber and great for a keto diet for example their peanut butter bar has 19 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of sugar 5 grams of net carbs so go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get $10 off your first, off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 
off your next order at builtbar.com. And with with all that, again, talking about the practice squad, and now we'll talk about the, uh, the actual roster. And, of course, we did that with our old buddy Josh Klein. So here's my chat now with Josh Klein of the Riot Report. All right, guys, very excited, as always, to be back on with a great friend of the podcast, Mr. Josh Klein of the Riot Report. Josh, thanks, as always, for joining me, man. Really appreciate it. How you doing? Thanks for having me on the show, man. Multiple time guest. I feel That's honored. Great. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm basically, I'm, I'm like second. <laughs> I should almost get like second billing behind you at some point. Like how many more do I have to do? To get? <laughs> yeah, you're the veteran here at, at this point. But, you know, it's, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. It's always great to get you on and, and chat with you. And, you know, just excited that we're here week one. Uh, the Panthers getting ready for the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll touch on that in a little bit, but I want to get your thoughts first too. We'll touch on the, uh, the roster cutdowns first. We'll start from when they went from 80 to 53. Um, and obviously you've been around the team, so you kind of had a sense of how they got to the 53. Um, in your opinion, you know, kind of some of your thoughts and maybe what you've heard like from the team, what seemed to be some of the, the toughest cuts that they had to make to get to the initial 53? Yeah, I think what we saw on Saturday, which was the original cutdown day, um, that it wasn't there wasn't anybody too surprising on the list on Saturday, um, and they did the same thing. And this, I think, it might be a Marty Herney special is to hold a guy for an extra day and then actually cut him on Sunday instead of on Saturday, in the hopes that he can get through waivers and then you can bring him back. Because essentially, there were a few things that they needed to do. They, they needed to um, they needed another corner and they needed um, to put Keith Kirkwood on IR but they wanted but in order to get him to IR he still has to be on the roster for 24 hours so he's basically taking up a spot so you kind of knew that whatever moves they had made on Saturday there were still some moves left to come and again I, we saw those on Sunday once they had made their three waiver cra- claims um, Sharif Miller uh, Trent Scott and um, and Rizul Douglas, they released – that was when kind of the surprising cuts came, when they released uh, F.A. Abada and uh, their fifth-round pick, Kenny Robinson. Um, for me, this has been the, the – I'm, I'm going to sing the same song on this podcast that I've been singing all offseason, is that to be a good team in the NFL, you have to be strong at secondary and offensive line, and those are two position groups where the Panthers have a lot of question marks. And none of those questions got answered. In fact, I would say I would venture to say that since Saturday, we have gotten more questions between Dennis Daly's ankle injury that they say, you know, uh, Matt Rule sounded, um, I, I would say, very pessimistic about his chance to play week one and then kind of going forward. High ankle sprains are the things that tend to lin- linger for four, five, six weeks. So um, immediately you have a problem on the offensive line. And then they also placed Eli Apple on injured reserve when they brought back F.A. Abada. So now you are starting three rookies on the defensive side of the ball, including uh, having Dante Jackson and Troy Pride as kind of your number one and number two corners. You're an ankle twist away from Corn Elder coming in or from Razul Douglas being uh, matched up immediately with Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards, um, but only three days after getting into camp. So it, it's it's – they're thin in the secondary. We knew this going in. We knew they were a young, a young team. We knew this was not a team that was going to be competing for the Super Bowl. 
Um, so I, they're, again, when we get to this point with the roster, not a ton of surprises, but it is interesting to watch Matt rule the way he puts things together and what he values in a player, especially near the end of the roster. And that was one of the big things too. We kind of saw over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they were just churning out, especially at the linebacker position, really trying to almost find their footing at, at that position. And one thing I also noticed too, and we'll kind of touch on the, the depth chart a little bit now here too. Um, the ones, obviously one spot at linebacker, they kind of have like co-starters in, uh, in Jermaine Carter and Jeremy Chin. That kind of tells me, and, I, and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that kind of tells me that Jeremy Chin is probably more or less the nickelback too, if not like kind of the, the starter at outside linebacker. And then they also have him listed as the, uh, the backup free safety. But Sam Franklin also got moved, uh, listed as the backup strong safety. So uh, was Franklin kind of a guy that showed a little bit of a versatility too? Because he was initially listed as a linebacker, if I remember correctly, on like the initial 53, and now they have him as a safety. Yeah, Sam Franklin is a guy that fits really strongly into that Jeremy Chin mold and the, the, the mold that basically Shaq Thompson was in over the past few years. You always thought of Shaq Thompson as – Obviously, he's a linebacker, but he still has that speed to cover. If he needs to bump out to the slot, he can cover a tight end. He can cover a slower guy in the slot. He's not going to cover Curtis Samuel or, or, uh, or Henry Ruggs or one of these other like super fast guys coming out of the slot. But he can at least he can slow them down. He can, he's not a terrible matchup for them. Like If you put Tahir Whitehead out there on Curtis Samuel, like that's a, it's six all day. So um, – when you talk about Sam Franklin, when you talk about Jeremy Chin, in my mind, this is a team that wants to put their 11 guys out there and they want to be able to compete with what the offense has in any personnel. So I don't think they want to think to themselves, okay, well, now they've got uh, 11 personnel coming in. We've got to bring in Corn Elder as our nickelback. I think they're hoping that, and this may be an experiment that goes awry, I think they're hoping that Jeremy Chin is going to be able to stay on the field for a lot of snaps. And so that is why you saw him listed at that co-starter position because he's not really a strong safety. He's not really a free safety. He's not really an outside linebacker. He's kind of all of those things. And I think one of those things that we're going to have to get used to this year is to not think of Jeremy Chin as, well, this is their nickel personnel, or this is their big person. This is a four, three, or this is, Oh, they've got three safeties out there. I think it's going to be like, they've got Trey Boston, Justin Burris and, Je and Jeremy Chin. And then they're going to cycle through those guys because Justin Burris used to play corner. He's a converted corner to safety. So I think he can line up against a slot guy if he needs to. Trey Boston, we know what Trey Boston brings to the table. Um, and then Jeremy Chin is, is a chess piece that Phil Snow is going to move all over the field. I think you're going to see him come down and play in the box a lot when they have uh, a heavier personnel on offense. And I think you're going to see him – uh, step back into coverage when it's when it's in that 11 personnel and the same thing for Sam Franklin although I think Sam Franklin is a poor man's version of Jeremy Chin but still has that same type of skill set from what I understand Sam Franklin is, has a lot of value on special teams and that's kind of where he's he's making his he he that's where he earned his roster spot that's where he's going to make his bread is he's going to be there on almost every special team snap and uh and then if he can contribute on defense then that's great but he can bring value to the team specifically on special teams. Same thing goes for running back Trent Cannon, who I don't think brings very much to the offensive side of the ball. Um, but on special teams is a guy that can contribute on every single snap 
And Matt Rule has made it clear that special teams is incredibly important to him. And again, we'll see how it works out because we haven't seen how the, any of that stuff translates to the NFL. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, it's, you know, speaking to Canada, it kind of seems like, um, you know, pushing Reggie Bonifant out the door, who, you know, was kind of one of the surprises for me with the cuts, but they were able to snag him back on the practice squad since they have those spots available for uh, for veterans with unlimited number of seasons, and they're starting to, to fill that. Um, I think last I checked, there was two of those that they had on that list, if I remember correctly. It was him and it was uh, Natrell Jamerson. I know there's still a couple spots left on the practice squad they haven't uh, officially announced, and I saw you tweet about this earlier clay johnston uh they of course can't at least at the time of recording this they haven't officially announced him because i'm sure he's still going through the the covid testings unless you've you know heard different but uh for the most part obviously the practice squad was just players that they have had in camp this whole time which is not surprising in a in a year like this but at least they got you know a good bit of their young talent in on the practice squad so what are your early thoughts on the practice squad yeah i think that the uh the, the practice squad is going to be incredibly important this year because uh, you have 53 guys on the main roster. You have four guys every week that you can protect. And I asked Matt Rule about that a couple of days ago. Is that something that you're going to change on a week-to-week basis? And he kind of poo-pooed it and said, you know, yeah, like if people want to come and, and snatch someone off the practice squad, they can still do it on Monday. Uh, on Tuesday at 4 o'clock is when you can kind of um, – when you can protect those guys. But to me, in a situation like this week when you don't know whether Dennis Daly is going to be available – I think I do think Ian Thomas is going to be a little bit like dicey heading into Sunday. I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll play. Um, but that might be a situation where you say, okay, well, we know Dennis Daly is probably not going to be, be there. Do we need to protect one of the guards? Do, should we be protecting Sam Tecklenburg so that uh, another team doesn't snatch him off our practice squad? Because if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking at the Panthers roster and I'm saying, okay, Dennis Daly's questionable. Uh, Ian Thomas mispracticed. Um, they're, they're down a corner. So who can I take off their practice squad to make them, uh, to really put them in a pinch if they do suffer an injury on Sunday, because you know, you've got to gain an advantage any way you can. And the smart teams are going to do are going to use these rules to their advantage. And the Panthers are the same way. They have to use these rules, uh, differently to their own advantage. So they need to look at their roster as having 69 guys on it, 57 of which are protected, and then they can move in and out and, and, make, uh, and make moves. But I do think that having guys, the reason why you see 15 of the 16 practice squad guys were in camp with them is because you didn't have time to, you didn't have time to waste. You, have, you need these guys that may step up and have to play an active role on Sundays, may go from practice squad, you know, fourth, uh, the fourth tight end, or a cornerback six may all of a sudden be like, well, you got to get out there on kickoff coverage, buddy. So get out there. Like, let, let's see what you got. And obviously without preseason, without the benefit of being able to see these guys in preseason, um, you want to bring back guys that you know. But I think that there is going to be a lot of um, turnover in these first months because you're going to see a lot of players are going to uh, your – the Panthers are going to be able to see their players – actually uh in the light of day and so marty herney and matt rule and the rest of the coaching staff are going to be evaluating these guys on special teams that maybe they didn't get a chance to evaluate outside of practice because there were no preseason games you don't get to see what miles hartsfield looks like uh on against another opponent you've only seen him go against your own guys you don't get to see how whether or not pharaoh cooper 
is back to his all pro self until he gets out there on the field. So some of these questions that I think are still going to need to be answered over the first four weeks of the season um, for the Panthers, especially with such a young roster, you don't have anything to lose, but uh, behind playing some of these younger guys and seeing what you got in them. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, that kind of leads into one more question, at least with the roster. Uh, You know, another question that, we knew was going to dig into the regular season. And that's the backup quarterback role. You know, it seems like you can ask 10 different people and you'll get 10 different answers who they think the backup is going to be. And the depth chart obviously gave us no more indication than we already knew that they're both listed as QB two. Where do we kind of stand in that battle? Who do you think right now goes in if somehow Teddy has to come out? Um. Okay, so I can tell you that after uh, I attended most of the training camp practices, I missed a few days um, in the middle. Uh, Will Greer looks like an NFL quarterback this year, and I could not say that last year. Last year during training camp and during um, and during practice, all the way up until the end of the season when he was going to start in week 16 and week 17, he did not look like he deserved to be on an NFL field. This year, he looks completely different. He looks more confident, more poised. Uh, there have been times when you say to yourself, hey, that's a night like Will Greer is doing it right now. He, and when they would get in there and do 11 on 11 drills, team drills, Will Greer was leading this team down for touchdowns. Um, I don't know whether that speaks worse about the defense or, or the offense, but um, to me, Will Greer uh, handily won the backup quarterback spot from P.J. Walker. I think that they're doing a little bit of gamesmanship in that you do theoretically have to prepare for more of a running quarterback if you're looking at P.J. Walker because P.J. is going to be able to produce uh, with his legs when a play breaks down. Um, but ultimately, if you want somebody that's going to be able to run your offense, I think it's going to be Will Greer. I do think P.J. Walker has some talent, and it's definitely worth having three guys on the roster, especially in with COVID. You don't know what's going to happen. Somebody can test positive on Friday, and then all of a sudden you're, you're down to two guys. Um, so you want to have – three guys that know your offense pretty well uh, that you feel comfortable with either one. And I do think they feel comfortable with Will Greer or PJ Walker, but it, in my opinion, I think Will Greer has looked better during camp. Now, just to be clear, that doesn't mean I think he is a, uh, a very good starting quarterback in the NFL. I, I think that Will Greer is, can be a capable backup, which is fine. You know, Kyle Allen, I thought was a capable backup too, but when you needed him to start 15 games, it, it wasn't going to work. But when you look at what he was able to do, he was able to come in, run their offense, win some games. And then once the tape caught up to him, it wasn't possible. I think Will Greer can do that same thing. If they need him to come in for three games while Teddy has a twisted ankle or has COVID-19 perhaps like that can, he can come in and run their offense and not uh, murder them. But I think that over the course of a season, I don't think that he can be the starting quarterback. No, and I totally agree. I mean, from where I was sitting, you know, being how many hours away from camp, just seeing some of the reports, I kind of got the feeling, too, that Will Greer kind of beat out P.J. Walker. So I would I would agree that he'll probably be the one trotting out there. But I think it's time to actually talk about a game, and it just yes. feels good to actually like do football, that. Right? It's, I can't, it's it's finally happening. I, I could not be more excited. Sunday afternoon, one o'clock, the Panthers take on the Raiders. Uh, it should be a should be a fun matchup. But uh, the big question, of course, the big test for that secondary, like you alluded to earlier. I mean, you're going up against Henry Ruggs. You're going up against Brian Edwards. 
Um, but it, obviously it all comes down to how well Derek Carr can throw the ball to these guys. So what do the Panthers have to do on Sunday to, to try to keep pace with the Raiders and potentially pull a, I don't know if I want to say shocker because I still think they have a shot to win this game, but what do they have to do to ensure that they can come away with a victory on Sunday? Um, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that this is a winnable game for the Carolina Panthers. Um, but what they're going to have to do is score a lot of points because um, this defense, John Gruden has, has been game planning for this game for probably drinking coffee and hasn't slept uh, more than two hours a night for the past eight out for the past eight months uh, waiting for this game. And I would imagine that when, you know, both of these, both of these wide receivers, while they're not top tier guys, they're very young, all three of them, uh, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, and um, Henry Ruggs, just because they're young doesn't mean they're good matchups for Dante Jackson and Troy Pride and even Jeremy Chin. Um, they are, uh, they're good wide receivers and they're going to be a, it'll be a little bit of a measuring stick for the Panthers to say, okay, well, how young and how bad is this defense? Because you can't really, you can't really look at week two because week two uh, against Tampa, it's, that's a measuring stick that they are not going to be able to measure up to. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think that week one, you could say, okay, where are we right now? Are we at a are we in a situation where it's like, oh boy, like this secondary is just not going to be able to play at the NFL level, or are we at a are we at a point where it's like, okay, well if we can put up 35, 40 points a game, or you know, 28 to 35 points a game on offense, maybe we can keep up. Last year, this was one of the one of if not the worst rushing defenses in the history of the NFL. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with uh, scheme, but there's been a huge amount of turnover on the defense, on that defensive line, up front, in the linebacking core. Uh, you look at who they are now, and they're going to they're gonna get a test right off the bat because Josh Jacobs is like a miniature Derrick Henry. They're going to give him 30 carries, and they're going to dare you to stop him. And uh, we're going to see whether this run defense has gotten better. And I do think just from a personnel standpoint, it has gotten better. And from a scheme standpoint, it's gotten better. But ultimately, the amount of turnover on defense is – it just doesn't seem like something that you can recover from for the 2020 season. And, you know, it's football. Anything can happen. It's a wild season. It's this, I mean, there's no more chaotic season than 2020. So who knows what's going to happen. But ultimately, you know, you look at this defense – and uh, you're so, you, you lost out on James Bradbury and you're substituting him with a fourth-round pick. Uh, you lose the greatest middle linebacker maybe in the history of the NFL and you're substituting him with Tahir Whitehead. You lose Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, um, Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy. Like the, the list goes on and on. Eric Reed. The list goes on and on and on of guys that are no longer on this defense. And yes, they're a lot younger and they're going to be exciting. And there are going to be times when you're like, man, this defense is fun. They're flying around. There are also going to be times when it's like, how, why, why is nobody within 15 yards of Henry Ruggs? I think that's going to happen um, a few times for sure, especially with the lack of practices, the lack of OTAs, the lack of minicamp. So um, that's on defense. On offense, I, I think they're just going to score a lot of points. I mean, you look at it's kind of the same thing for the Raiders. The Raiders, were one of the worst teams in terms of pass defense last year. And their first round pick is a corner um, who is hurt. So, and I'm, I'm not actually sure as of this recording, whether he's officially out for Sunday or not. Um, but I, I know that he's not hundred percent healthy. So when you look at the off the weapons that this offense has and Joe Brady 
and DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, uh, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. I, I just think they're going to eat a lot on offense. So it's going to be a matter of whether they can keep up on offense and, and maybe force a couple turn. If they can force a couple turnovers on defense, they, they can win this game. But um, if you're listening to this game, if you're listening at home, uh, go to your uh, local legal gambling site of choice and bang that over. You're hearing it. Josh with a dollar sign has given out free picks over 47 and a half. Bank it. I'll probably be right there with you if I become a gambling man this season. But I do like that you noted like the measuring stick too, not just for this week, but especially like the first month plus for, for this defense. I mean, you look at uh, just all the top offenses they're going to play. This is a, this is going to be a, a rough stretch, but um, I think the key point is just getting the talent out there, watching them develop from, you know, week one to week 17, stay healthy and just see if you can find light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I think we're both in agreement. This team probably isn't going to win any more than like five or six games. They'll probably pick in the top 10 next year. And then who knows what will happen. But as long as we can just kind of see some of that development from these young kids, um, I think is the most important part of this 2020 season. Yeah, man. I think you're looking at the same thing as, uh, as the 2019 Miami Dolphins. If they can follow that script, uh, the Dolphins went a little bit more aggressive in trading away all of their good players. Um, and I think that was more because their GM was looking towards the future rather than trying to preserve his job. But that's a different story. Um, I, I think that what you saw from them was I, I think they started – they start 0-7. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they had won a few games. They, they like Brian Flores kind of inspired his team, a team that was less talented than other guys on the field to go out there and to, and to win some games. And then ultimately they finished their season by beating new England at Foxborough. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then, then you're going into your off season with like, look at what we can do. I told you this works. If you stick with me, if you trust me, that's how the Carolina Panthers can be successful in 2020. If you, if you go into this season and say, if we don't make the playoffs, if this is a busted season, you are going to be sourly disappointed. And it is going to, it's not going to go well for you. But if you go into this season with like, Hey, we got some young guys on defense. We got some young guys on offense. I want to see some, um, I want to see, I want to see some growth from these guys. I want to see everybody buying into the Matt Rule, to the Joe Brady, the Phil Snow system. That's how you define success in 2020. What can't happen is you can't have at 0-7 guys throwing each other under the bus, trouble brewing in the locker room, that that's, that's going to be a bad sign for this team. So that'll be what I think I'm looking forward to the most is when they do face adversity because they are going to have adver- tough times in 2020. It's how they react to it, how the coaching staff reacts to it, how the players react to it, how the young leaders on this team react to it, and how they move forward with it rather than focusing on the bad times now looking to try and get to the good times in the future. So I, I agree with that 100%. That, that's very well put. And I think that's a, a good note to end it on here, buddy. I, like I said, I really appreciate you taking time, as always, to, to chat with me. Uh, if there's anything you got going on, go ahead and let the listeners know where they can find you and anything you else got going on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you enjoy the Carolina Panthers, I would encourage you to go to theriotreport.com and sign up for our daily newsletter. It's curated by myself, by Antoine, by Zach, by, by kind of other people on our staff. And we find the best in Panthers content, not just from us, but from The Athletic, The Charlotte Observer, The National Guys, whether it's a YouTuber out there putting together some good tape. Um, we're, we've got it all, and it comes out every single morning in your inbox. Uh, a great way to start your day. Um, I literally like roll over it and look at it while I'm still trying to like open my eyes in bed. Um, and if you like podcasts, you're listening to this one right here. Uh, we have our own podcast network. Um, I am one of the hosts of One Day Contract, where we have a rotating media member that comes through. Last week, we had Will Bryan, who you may know as Panther Stat Guy. This week, I'm still trying to work on a guest. So, Bill, you may be getting a phone call here in a couple minutes. Um, and, uh, and that's it. We got all kinds of stuff. TheRiotReport.com. Come check it out. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. Absolutely. And he does rule. And uh, I'm sure at some point, too, we'll be looking for your pool reports during the regular season. I know uh, Lena has this week. I'm sure you'll be getting one at some point this season, too. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, I'll get to go in there and, and cross off jersey numbers for 20 minutes. It's very nice. exciting. <laughs> as right. exciting as it seems. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be looking forward to it, man. Thanks, as always, for uh, stopping by, man. Really appreciate your time, and uh, take care of yourself, all right? Let's have a fun season. Always a pleasure, brother. Yes, sir. So, again, big thanks there to our buddy Josh Klein. Always appreciate him taking time out. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to wrap it up there. Hope you guys had a great time listening to that. And I hope you enjoyed tomorrow's episode because it's myself and our boy Q as we bring back Crossover Thursday now. Again, it's now Crossover Thursday. But we'll be back tomorrow to preview week one between the Carolina Panthers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Until then, I'm signing off. Take care, everybody. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we'll see you next time right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends.